what's going on guys welcome to episode 94 of beards of tech um there's not a whole lot this is kind of a surprise episode almost because we didn't do one this sunday but there's going to be one this week still before next sunday so technically this is just a bonus episode even though it's counting as a full one but anyway i'm joined <laughs> by Irvin. what's up Irvin? I'm always down to talk uh, tech with you, no matter how many times we join. So it's fine if it, we don't have that much, you know, top, many topics because we always find something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we were in the middle of like a heated debate before the episode started. And I was just I was just like trying to cut it off because we needed to get that episode recorded. And I figured oh, we're missing this gold conversation. Yeah, it's weird because I can't <laughs> save it for the show. I can't talk. Yeah, I can't talk tech to you during the week. Because we have to save it for Sunday. <laughs> because otherwise we miss out on really good conversations. Um, but yeah, there's there hasn't really been a whole lot in terms of like crazy tech news that's happened this week. But definitely some interesting stuff has happened. And uh, I kind of wanted to just piggyback off of what we were talking about in the pre-show, which was the PS5 tech demo that launched. I think that was, it was today, right? Yeah. That, that dropped, yeah, today. dropped today. So, so this was the... Um, so the first, I think this was the first uh, unveil of the of gameplay, or at least simulated gameplay, in something rendered by the console. Um, which was specifically I'm so happy the about. Unreal Engine Five, which is specifically, yeah. and they used the PS Five as the hardware platform to show off its capabilities for the new next version of the Unreal Engine. And the cool thing was that it wasn't just like rendered stuff or um rendered using gameplay footage stuff is that it was like actual gameplay with controller inputs and like moving through an environment it was a tomb raider um, clone pretty much yeah. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah they, yeah. they made it a tomb raider well clone yeah. if if that was a real game and since it was Lara croft i would play that game real hard yeah that, it, that looked it was, awesome <laughs> yeah no it, it's they they utilized a bunch of ridiculous like technology and and like i feel like it's they used all these new terms like nanite and lumen and stuff like that and i feel like it was just a lot of buzzwords that were <laughs> thrown out but they like, were referring to like we, technologies like, built into the yeah. new engine that you know, it's just stuff that we have, have like, access to yeah it's like modern rendering engines and ray tracing it's like literally the two things that they talked about but they like threw this cool new name on it because it's under the sony unreal engine and they have to have their own thing because it's i don't i don't know if they said they're using nvidia hardware so no it's all amd i don't know both. it's all okay so consoles this is, have been amd for well the last generation and right. this one too so, so sony yeah. has confirmed it's amd okay yeah same with the um, same with the xbox they're both using so then this is like yeah. in-house ray tracing then so it's not actual nvidia ray tracing it's amd is um, ray tracing yeah so okay, I'll allow Lumen and Nanite then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but for anybody who's wondering what uh, the, these two terms we're throwing around, ray tracing and Lumen and Nanite and all that stuff, it's it's basically how computer graphics render uh, both polygons and lighting effects. Uh, and basically, like until um, until recently, ray tracing has been something that's been done on a game by game basis and not through hardware itself. So if someone needed to, let's say you're playing like call of duty where you're running through a corridor or like a dark alleyway and there's some moonlight coming in, um, all that like moonlight that gets put into the game is basically done in some kind of like a custom edit where it, it, that moonlight is very explicit. It's not natural. It's done to make it look natural, but it's just an effect um, whereas ray tracing is just defining a light point in a map and then the light just kind of casts in to the environment in a natural way that you would expect in a real environment. Um, and that's kind of what Lumen is accomplishing here. So they're basically showing that you can move the light source and you can watch the shadows dynamically render and change and lighting isn't just some effect that's fixed in one spot anymore. It's something that can be on a very like a natural scale in a yeah. way like and and things yeah. have a reflective aspect to them right so like when you have the example that they showed a light shining through a cave 
some of that light, once it enters that cave, is going to reflect off other surfaces. So it's going to illuminate inside of the cave, even though direct sunlight is not reaching it. So it's, it's it, again, looks more natural because it's actually simulating photons coming down from that virtual light source and it's simulating how exactly it would be bounced off and also how it'll be reflected off of different surfaces and different surfaces have different re reflectivity. So it'll adjust based on whatever types of surface. And also it's not just like a light source, it's just natural light as well. So like the one thing, um, and this is probably the best example of, of ray tracing is that for years, uh, mirrors in video games have been very difficult, uh, like in terms of just compute power, because not only do you have to render the like the world that the character you're playing as is in, you have to render this like reverse world that the mirror is supposed to be seeing, even though technically it's, it's, it's basically doing a mirror with practical effects instead of letting light do its thing and just make a mirror. So that's like the, the cool thing about that. So the one thing that ray tracing and lumen handles is like you said, Irvin, that reflection, um, which I think is so cool that like mirrors are now basically just a thing that an artist can take advantage of rather than something that an entire department of a company has to dedicate hours and hours and hours to in order to get functioning. So like if you want a mirror, just hit a piece of glass with light in ray tracing and then you have a mirror. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and it's I certainly, just think it's like, I mean, yeah, it's certainly yeah. something exciting. And also, I mean, ray tracing has been around ever since NVIDIA unveiled it with the uh, RTX series of graphics cards, but they're relatively expensive. Um, and this is coming down finally to the console form. And this is also uh, something that the, the Xbox Series X is, is also talking about bringing uh, to it. Um, but you know, as, as you know, <laughs> consoles don't cost as much as gaming PCs. Uh, you know, one console typically costs as much as a graphics card, one graphics card, yeah. and you need the rest of the computer <laughs> or, to actually make a real computer. <laughs> yeah. Or depending on like what kind of a graphics card, you, you know, it might have to be like this, it might have to be like a, maybe like a third of the cost of the graphics card depending on how powerful you're trying to go if you're getting the 28 so I'm, I'm interested in how much, what the actual prices will be for these new next generation consoles will they start creeping up on you know a low-end budget pc level like six seven hundred dollars like i don't know if they can pull that off most people will just not even consider buying that i take console. i'm gonna guess i'm gonna bet that these consoles are gonna come in at 599 because I feel like if they begin to push past that $600 boundary, they're going to start to eat into the people who normally buy this. Because the consoles have always been like, like you said, the $500 option for someone who wants the game, not the $3,000 option or the 2000 or the 1000 It's been the sub-750 group of people who want to be able to just play video games or just want hardware that... They don't have to think about doesn't have to do anything else besides be a game console so and then i think, I think it's going to be 600 and they'll keep around the ps4 pro and this xbox one x around and reduce those prices and those will be sort of the entry level options and then if you want to upgrade and you want a higher fidelity gaming experience then you can you know upgrade to the one your ones kind of unrelated but the nice thing about those old consoles right now is that like microsoft is still almost incentivizing you to buy a new one so like they have the uh subscription plans where they have this subscription plan where you can almost like rent a xbox one x which is like their 4k um super powerful console and then you make monthly payments on it and then when the one x releases you can just literally swap it for the one x and just seamlessly upgrade your console and then on top of that um, a lot of games who are releasing for the xbox series x or whatever they're calling it i think that's right um are also announcing that if you choose to buy a game like assassin's creed for example the new valhalla one if you were to buy that game on the old the current 
right now and then future old hardware um, they would also give you a copy of that on the new console in the event that you upgrade so that way you're not losing your stuff which is really nice and also one of the it's like one of the biggest hurdles for um, for these game console developers when they're transitioning a, a generation because you usually have this massive drop in sales right before because nobody wants to buy it because you're about to move on to the new stuff so i'm i'm curious to see how that's gonna like how that whole thing's gonna play out um and especially with the the landscape of how sony's gonna respond to it because they haven't said anything yet on how they plan on dealing with this uh also, one of the things they talked about that I wanted to bring up was uh, Nanite, which is pretty cool. It's basically um, a new polygon engine. So basically, and you you probably know this, but I don't know if anybody listening might not know this or not. But when video games are, are rendered, it's a series of polygons kind of stitched together to form a three-dimensional shape. It's not just like they're doing this like molding of a of a person's body and there's no polygons in it they have they have to like render millions and millions and millions of actual geometric shapes in order to build these characters and build these environments and details and and all this stuff um but what nanite allows them to do and this was a, a pretty cool term that i heard and and usually you see these kinds of things in tech demos for new consoles happen where they showcase this like crazy tech and crazy hardware, but like in retrospect, the games that take advantage of it don't really take advantage of it. Um, but the one particular tech demo they took advantage of this nanite thing, which is like billions and billions of triangles um, rendered at the same time in a living environment. And the one term that I that I thought was interesting that they said was that. Um, this will allow game developers to render in film quality assets without having to downscale them to video game assets, which means like you, anybody ever notice how like when you, you play an old game or something like, and they show that this is particularly prevalent on like old games, but like when they show the trailer for the game, it's like very detailed and very high res and it looks like, almost real and then you play the gameplay and it's like you're a triangle running around or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like minecraft almost um but it's uh it's it's it, it's kind of like that um this will allow them to take those trailer graphics and just translate that into direct gameplay um without any loss in quality yeah which using, is pretty cool yeah. yeah using the same level of fidelity that you might see in in visual effects in movies Right, like yeah. you know, like, an event, adventures uh, level yeah. of you know um, uh, quality, because you know those types of scenes takes hundreds of hours of rendering time. Those aren't done in real time. You know, they they're put on a render farm and they they chew through billions and billions of polygons to get a you know something that looks real on a theater home uh, theater screen. Um, and now they're saying that you can use those same textures that you would use in those types of scenarios and actually get real-time results on this hardware. Yeah. Um, and this and is there the same this... tech that they're using uh, for HD textures, and you're, you'll be a fan of this, of the Mandalorian. I don't know if you know. Oh, really? So I don't know if you know this, of the, the Mandalorian, a lot of the... Uh, since it's a TV show and the budget wasn't as high as a regular movie, um, also it was just only Disney Plus, so they were in the initial phases. They didn't just give you know a, a, a write a blank check to John Favreau. They're not throwing they're the, like yeah, they're not, th yeah, they're yeah. not throwing the Disney money at it. Ex yet. Exactly, not yet anyway. <laughs> so they used most of the backgrounds that you see are actually rendered in real time using the Unreal Engine. Oh wow. So they have That's this. Cool. They have this camera. You should look this up. It's quite an awesome tech. Um, they use this camera, and they have this giant screen behind the actor. So, and then the camera, as you move the camera, it adjusts the background from the camera's perspective. So it looks like you're actually in the environment, moving around, but you're really not. <laughs> the the actor could yeah. be just walking on a treadmill in one spot. 
and there's some huh. behind the scenes footage from the Mandalorian when they were shooting it. Um, it was quite amazing, and all of that is done in in Unity or not Unity, uh, Unreal Engine, using these HD textures wow. in real time, and th- those backgrounds are t- are it's not a green screen. Yeah. It's, it's the, everything you see behind the actor is being generated in real time using those things you that's can't crazy. tell um that's so cool but they're using like you know three or four five uh high-end nvidia rtx graphics cards to do those and this is oh yeah <laughs> using the same tech in a, in a console um yeah but yeah if you, you get a chance you look up behind the scenes of the mandalorian and the tech it's quite amazing Probably what they will. yeah yeah um, no, I, I, the the VFX in that looked incredible, just off the bat. Like it's it looks real. It looks like a full Disney quality production. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not like they cut any major corners or you see like the strings from the birds flying in the air or anything like that. No, it, it's like it's really good. So and that's definitely something I'm, I'm probably going to check out. The Unreal Engine. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this was quite impressive. Um, and I yeah. hope, you know, this is real gameplay footage because they started moving around, actually interacting with uh, the environment. Um, yeah. So, so my... they got to this one point. Yeah, I don't want to like, I don't want to cut you off, but it's the, one more thing about the yeah. night stuff. Um, they, they met, they went up to this statue in the video. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. point, in it, but they yeah. like rounded a corner and went up to the statue and they were saying that it was like something along the lines of like 16 billion triangles and i'm saying billion a lot but that's that's the numbers that they're working with here um but they were saying that they were able to render that in directly from zbrush which is a rendering tool and a 3d modeling program and they were saying they were able to do that without any kind of they, they used the terms authored lod's and any baking normal maps or baking of normal maps um and basically they were saying that they were able to render this in straight from a a rendering like a, like a basically a CAD almost like a modeling software without any changes to the rendered level of detail that the original artist created or without any downscaling which is even more important so like I just wanted to like figure out what those terms meant and like go into like into detail on that and it's probably downscaled slightly depending on um, the TV or the game or if they chose to do it if it's part of their workflow but in that particular demo, they were able to achieve that without any downscaling, which is crazy when you consider like render times. And you you were you even used the term earlier, render farms, which is literally just a mass of hardware dedicated to rendering software to get it film ready. So it's like it's crazy to me that they were, that the console is able to do that with basically raw like files from this 3D modeling software. So it's like easier on the artist and easier on the developer because nobody has to worry about that now so the artist makes it how they want and then the developer just imports the file and it's done so i think that's pretty cool and they said that there was one point in the map where they had 500 of those statues rendered all in at the same time and there was like no drop in performance whatsoever Mm -hmm. so i don't do i'm not going to do the math but 16 billion pixels times 500 it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So. Quite, yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you going to say? No, I was going to transition to the other uh, company who also makes consoles, Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, so they. <laughs> Aren't they, those the computer guys? They made Microsoft Word. Yeah, same same guys. Same <laughs> devs, you know. They, they, same exact devs. Same exact ones. No difference. <laughs> You know, they have the Microsoft small, small, tiny little startup. They only have 10 devs. So, some, you know, yeah, during they, the day they work on Word and at night they have some fun and they develop consoles. You know, <laughs> as one does. As a small Naturally. startup, you got to work with what you got. Um, That's right. no. <laughs> um, so, they, they also, uh, Microsoft... Uh, released a, a like a 20 minute sort of video sort of a lot they well first they had a live stream and they released individual uh, videos of of gameplay from or alleged gameplay from um uh, upcoming games for the new xbox series x and as you know you see these gameplay footage 
uh, footage from like E3, you know, when there's a new game announcement, you see this, you know, demo of like launch trailers, like, oh my God, look at this. And when the real, more often than not, when the game actually comes out, it looks nothing like what it looked on the E3 trailer. If you look like E3 trailer versus the game today, yeah. like there's a lot of those examples where you look them up and this is pretty much what they did. And, and a lot of people are a little skeptical of what the actually games will actually look like this. Um, yeah. Because... Yeah, that was a weird trailer. Um, it was not... I was a little disappointed. And it also wasn't as impressive as what we saw today for the ps5 so i think this today's sort of release of this video was sort of a answer to um the the this video that was i think released on may 7th so about a week ago um yeah wasn't as impressive at all and no, it was it was no. then look that you know that next gen that you're expecting like this ps5 demo did um mm-hmm. so a couple people several people were quite uh disappointed in what was released and i don't know sort of the, was. you know more about this i guess you have more feelings on this but from my perspective i think microsoft sort of failed the xbox one launch because they didn't focus on the gaming like it was like their their whole thing was like this media hub you can do everything they're like it's a yeah. game console. Focus on the games, and that's why PS4. You can argue that won the last generation console war, if you want to call it a console war. They had the better games. Yeah. They focused on just the gaming. They had exclusives. They yeah. had really they, like, good exclusive games, other than <clears throat> Halo. <laughs> there was a reason to buy a PS4. God of War. Uh, yeah. What else? Uh, I'm not. Her- there's familiar. Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. There was Control. There's. There was a bunch of games that came out that were exclusive to PS4. Really good and the good quality games. Uncharted. Too. Yeah. I was going to say formerly MLB, but now those are coming to PC. But <laughs> You had a reason to buy a, a PS4. Yeah. Um, you did. I think they might be making the same mistake again. I hope not. I don't know. Yeah, this this when you when you look at these two videos together and you look at the Microsoft one and you look at the Sony one, it looks like Microsoft is someone who briefly left gaming who's like trying to come back and like be hip and cool and look like they're like look like they know what they're doing and be like, check out this stuff. And then Sony's just like, here's a tech demo, like here's a bunch of gameplay, here's this like cool tech we have baked into our console that developers can take advantage of. See ya, have fun. Like, the top- like I think yeah, Sony knows. I think Sony knows they have an edge right now. Because, I mean, like, when you could, if you're, like, ignoring the new consoles entirely, going off of what you literally just said, like, Sony is already coming in up here. Microsoft is here. So Microsoft has to put on this big performance to, like, get itself up to the level of what Sony has already done. Because Sony yeah. released the PS4 Pro. Microsoft was like, oh, oh, man, oh, shit, we got to do the the 1x so they went and <laughs> did that com- yeah the, so i have the video up uh, on youtube and these comments are great the top three uh first one is spoiler alert this gameplay showcase did not showcase gameplay <laughs> yeah it, uh, it was another one is with- uh, another one is i expected nothing and i'm still let down <laughs> <laughs> And then the last one here is the only thing that got played in this event is us. us. (laughs) That's kind of how I felt when I saw that. Because they were like, oh, they kept teasing it. They're like exclusive Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay at the very end. Check this out. It's going to be cool. And then I get to it. And then you see the tag across the bottom that just says rendered using in-game footage. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, that that is like the most blanket term possible for this is not real gameplay that you could have possibly given people. I watch, I was watching that stream live when Microsoft announced that, and I watched the view count drop by over 3,000 when that first frame hit with rendered with in-game footage. Mm-hmm. People were not happy. Oh, it was really, it was really bad. And also, like, and then like it would have been, it would have been fine had it been like somewhat similar to how Sony announced their 
their hardware basically like here's the tech demo here's what lumen is here's what nanite is here's what this stuff is it's rendered in game look at this gameplay footage and like walk you through a level whereas microsoft is like here's some people who are talking at me who are pretending to be really hip and making stupid puns in between segments and then like i get nothing so like the trailers before the big tease were cooler than the actual trailer or the actual thing so i don't know microsoft has proven to me yet again that they're kind of lost right now they're stuck somewhere between an entertainment system and a console so i'm a little a little lost yeah so we'll see uh according to both of the companies uh the current uh pandemic that's going on in the world should not affect the launches of them they're both expected to sort of be unveiled and and uh, launched for this holiday season uh coming up uh, as far as right that's right um product launches have been surprisingly smooth this year despite COVID 19 yeah is it just me like am i wrong no well the thing is if you've when you set a launch date for, let's say, something in May or April, like, let's say, Apple has, you've been working on that for years, you know, over a year. So, like, yeah. this the really didn't affect it. Like, pretty much everything that you needed was put in place. I think the stuff that's being currently in, like, heavy development right now could be affected, let's say, six nine months down the line because when they're you know when they're planning to launch whatever product that they're currently working on i think we'll see those effects later um that's why we sort of haven't really seen because most companies who want to launch something they're like it's pretty much done at this point they're just like ready to launch it so i think that's why we haven't really um uh done one or seen the effects of it but i I really think that we'll we'll definitely see i'd say like the next six to nine months down the line we'll see some especially like like the the new iphone for example like for that uh, another apple product but you know there's been talks of because you know that's expected to launch this fall and there's talks that the current situation because they're this is the time that there would be sort of ramping up the production of the, all the different components. And then they have all their ducks in a row and then they start assembling all sense. the phones, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how this all affects, but I think right now it doesn't look like it is, but I expect that. Down that makes well. sense. Yeah. Like probably towards the fall, we'll probably see a few, a few stuff get delayed, like the new pixel, the new iPhone, like the, the pro or whatever the iphone 12 or whatever they're gonna call it i don't know whatever uh speaking yeah. of pixel <laughs> yeah speaking of pixel um so the couple of the main uh verge has the headline of masterminds uh behind the google pixel camera quietly left um the company um yeah mark lavoy yeah mark uh yeah, what's his name mark I think it's Mark Lavoy. Yeah, Mark Lavoy, who has been the key person um, in the Pixel's camera, the ca- the computational photography within the Pixel camera. Um, he was the main researcher, part of that. The reason that the Pixel camera is so good is one of <laughs> he's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why it's so good. And it seems like, according to LinkedIn uh, changes, his LinkedIn profile, he left Google uh, back in March, um, sort of quietly, no public announcement. Someone just found this out. I guess they were. Yeah, they found that there was LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So it wasn't really public. So it's quite interesting. Um, And, uh, you know, a, a smartphone camera isn't made by one person. But I'm, you know, I'm sure he had a lot of influence on the technology that goes behind it. Um, yeah. I'm sure, the, you know, because arguably Pixel camera is still one of the best, if not the best, smartphone camera you can buy today. Um, you can argue on semantics, but I think if you want a good camera that you can just hand to a parent and say, point this at a thing you want to take a picture of, push this button. The likelihood of you getting a really good picture on a Pixel is quite high compared to all yeah. other phones without you the one, thinking about it. 
Yeah, the one the one term I heard someone describing this during a phone review. I'm not sure if it was MKBHD or if it was somebody else, but they were basically saying that they like the Pixel camera because it's the closest to their finished product of a photo than any other camera out there on the smartphone market. And that's the one thing that the Pixel has always had. It's software that gets applied to the photo. It's using some standard run-of-the-mill Sony lens. If yeah, I it's, recall it's nothing special yeah. for the hardware. So. And just some standard basic 12-megapixel Sony pretty camera. much the same sensor that everyone else is using, the same Sony sensor. I think in, I think it actually is literally the same one that the OnePlus phones used for a little bit. Yeah. Like, I think they had shared a camera lens for a couple of years, but Pixel's got some, like, dark magic running under the hood that, like, turns a photo that would normally look okay into something that is, like, actually incredible. They're able to, like, they were, I think we, we talked about this on an earlier episode. They were able to, like, split the pixels to do simultaneous rendering at two different depth levels so that way they could render a more realistic image and all this is done when you push the button and get a photo (laughs) so like there's this crazy math that's happening under the hood of this phone just to get you a good photo and and like you said you can hand this phone to like a grandmother or literally anybody who has ever taken a photo with a smartphone before on the default settings and been like take a picture and when they do, nine times out of ten, it's going to come out looking incredible. It's going to look like a professional edited it every time. So, and I, I can like like you said, I can only hope that um, I, I can only hope that I'm sure he had a massive impact on uh, the Pixel camera department, but I can only hope that he left them with enough, basically of a le- not a legacy, but like enough stuff scrolled away for future generations like i'm sure he didn't leave google empty-handed like he he i'm I'm, he has to have given them something Uh, and i'm pretty sure that they're going to be just fine going forward from now um this probably was more of a personal move on his part but like i said we, we people like us only found out because of his linkedin profile updating and people reporting on it because of that he didn't tell anybody which leads me to believe that it definitely wasn't like a bitter thing google didn't cut him at all so i think it was just a career move on his part um but i mean the pixel 4 was kind of a disappointing phone didn't sell as well as the other phones so i'm, I'm curious to see what this does to the pixel team i'm gonna wager probably not much but um i think that it's definitely something that's important to keep note of especially more importantly i think where this guy ends up going he went to um palo alto networks but i don't know if Oh, that's a different. If he's guy. gonna transition, oh, is that? Um... Yeah, yeah. So that the that's okay. the different. That's Mario. I don't know how to say that last name. Yeah, it's fine. I didn't look <laughs> it up, so I don't. I don't know how. Yo, uh... so that no, the the guy who went to Palo Alto Network is a different. So there's been two executives who left. The one, um, Mark Lavoy, he's the head of the Pixel. We've been talking to, talking about, uh, and the other one is Mario, um, Kuros. Uh, Usually was, it's like simple when it's spelled yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was uh, the um, head of uh, the Pixel hardware team. Um, and, uh, or yeah, the, the Pixel phone hardware team, because there's an overall Google hardware team that's in charge of, you know, the all the hardware, the, all the Nest products and everything else that they make. But he was in charge of the Pixel um, in uh, specifically... And he left a quite a lot. He left the Pixel team uh, back in August. Um, it yeah. looks like and men went to work directly under Sundar Pichai. But it looks like in, in February he also left the company uh, altogether. And one of the tidbits from uh, uh, some people who have who were part of a couple meetings that he butted heads with the head of the hardware team, complaining that the Pixel Four didn't have enough. Um, battery life and i think most people a lot of reviewers also agree with that statement it lacked on on its capabilities in terms of the battery life department so um, maybe they but it he wanted you know push push that and he didn't get what he wanted so he kind of moved on um yeah you never know with this kind of stuff especially when it's this quiet yeah a lot of uh, I'm sure internal politics going on, uh, just like with any other company when when trying to get these phones out uh, to the market. But 
I, I would say the Pixel 4 is was okay as an okay release. It wasn't, you know, as a fine. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was fine. It was another good Pixel phone. If you want even like the Pixel yeah. experience, you got where you, you know, you got the get get that gate great camera. The other stuff around it was okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think it certainly has some room for improvement. I think maybe that's where. Um, this guy Mario was trying to push it and wasn't getting anywhere yeah. within the team, and he's like, "Okay, I'm had I'm some." Out. Notably, it had some RAM and battery issues. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Pixel that's 4, right. So. The Pixel Four when it initially launched, apps would just randomly shut down. Specifically, like Spotify, where you listen to music, it's like, that's and it would not... just close. Yeah, <laughs> I think like I think uh, what was it? One of the reviewers said they opened their camera app while listening to Spotify. And it would just kill Spotify because the camera was taking up too much RAM. So the, the camera took priority because it was in focus, oh. which is not okay in any smartphone. You want to be able to do anything you need to do on your phone and have it hold up. But okay, that, that's a whole different rabbit hole we can get down. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but it should yeah. be interesting. We'll just... uh, I don't know how much effect it will this have when the Pixel 5 eventually launches we'll see or you know the cheaper there's a rumor i don't think it's an official but the 4a the 4a yeah. uh, that's supposed to launch a successor to cheaper you know successor to the 3a that was launched was quite successful you know it gave you that great experience that great oh, yeah, camera dude. that we talked about at an affordable price sort of what like the se is doing now um i think that was a big hit so we'll see those are killer phones yeah they're really good for, the, for yeah. that price yeah it's a no-brainer for if you want to stick on the Android side of things. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how this we, will affect, but yeah. Yeah. I know we got a couple more things to talk about on the episode, but I didn't know if you wanted to talk about yours first, the, the Wink subscription, um, just because mine's kind of like a off-the-top, off-the-cuff thing. Um, I don't yeah. know if you wanted to talk about that first, just because I'm, I'm definitely interested in talking about that right now. Yeah, let's let's do the the wink news that was uh, put out, and we'll leave the the off the cuff sort of thing at the end to close out the show. Um, so about a week, uh, no, last week, um, a company called Wink. If you're not familiar with it, it is not a, the wine company, not, not the wine delivery not, service. Yes, not not that. <laughs> uh, that's a, a, a that's with a C, right? W I N C. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. the wine subscription service um if you need needed wine delivered to your house at a regular pace there you go it's a good time no excuse like <laughs> right now um no that, but this uh, company has been wink with a k has been around for... reach out there urban on twitter for his wink promo code <laughs> <laughs> um uh so wink has been around for since 2014 um, it is a, a company that makes um, smart home products um, that operate together. Um, they make a hub. It's, think of it like smart things before Samsung bought them. So they started out around the same time as smart things, and then smart things got bought by Samsung, and now they're integrated and they ruined the experience. But that's another conversation. <laughs> anyway so oh man uh, wink is it wink. shady in here or what <laughs> uh wink uh, uh offered this so you buy this hub that communicated with other products that were wink compatible so if you wanted to build out a, a smart home and you could just buy say products like light switches or light bulbs that's had that wink logo on the box saying okay and this will work with uh that ecosystem and a lot of people invested money into it and, and bought a couple of the products. And one of the main reasons that people were attracted to it, uh, the service, is because it didn't have any subscription service. You bought the device and we were told that it's going to be working um, as a, a smart home product. Because a lot of these you might need to buy sort of that subscription per service, uh, you know, a, a price to keep the service going. Um, I, I played around with Wink. I got a Wink hub. I think there was a promo sh- promo thing going on for like 20 bucks. You can buy a hub. And I had like one or two lights um, uh, that worked. But other than that, I invested. That's no where other. I know Wink from. The lights. That's where I know Wink from. <laughs> I was trying to think of the life of me. The Wink lights, right? Isn't that, isn't that it? 
Or is there something Warp else? Lights? Didn't Warp. you say the wink had lights? Or yeah. mm-hmm. like a light bulb? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of like the whole time you were talking about wink and this problem. I was trying to think of where I knew wink from. But it's the bulbs. And don't they also have like plugs too? Yeah, they have all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just had a big brain blast like connection type thing right now so you can, you can ignore what i was gonna say but yeah. I, yeah i was just like very excited because i finally pieced it together where i know wink from because this whole time i've been confused as to where i knew wink from but i didn't quite know but when you said light bulbs it, like it all it all clicked for me yeah <laughs> yeah carry on <laughs> so yeah you could use this uh um um, so Wink ecosystem to build out your smart house. You can build, you know, buy mm-hmm. all the light bulbs and switches and connect them together, connect voice assistants to it so you can trigger by whatever uh, your preferred voice service is. You can trigger through the app remotely wherever you are all through the internet. You know, the same typical um, smart home features that you expect. Um, and originally, like I mentioned, is the, 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 the cost to keep that service running originally wink uh derived that from the hardware sales right they didn't add an extra yeah. cost to it um and out of the blue um on may 6th they put out a blog posts saying to their current customers who are according to them have more than four million connected devices connected to their <laughs> network uh which is quite a lot um Starting May 20th, now you'll be expected to pay $4.99 monthly subscription, and there's no grandfather option. So if you don't decide to, if you decide not to give them the $4.99 monthly subscription, you lose access to all your smart homes and they turn into dumb homes, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) They go back to being regular uh, switches and light bulbs and remove all the smart home functionality that you paid an extra money for because those devices cost extra because they have some smart technologies in, in built into them. Um, yeah. And a lot of, lot of companies so, who do this kind of thing, you know, have that, I've mentioned grandfather offer that any existing, you know, customers will continue using whatever they're used to. Any new ones will yeah. be required to. That's the good, that's the nice I've thing. I've seen that do. for apps. I've seen that for, games i've seen that for everything that's a that's the that's like the, the it's the standard yeah it's a standard sort of practice you know like no the wink decided and they used the current climate the current situation within the world as a uh a, 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 as an excuse but i don't buy that i'm not sure how much no. this actually like why would this pandemic affect them economically and put maybe they maybe people, weren't doing maybe they weren't doing so hot as it maybe. was, and they're like, okay, this is like the last. We really sort of have to do this for us to survive. And within their well, blog post, they stated that companies that decide to provide a free service, most of the time, that the way they decide to make money is by selling the data of their users, and we decide not to do that, which is, I think, the right move. Yeah. to do i don't want them to sell their users data but also this is this feels like sort of a blind being blindsided by this company for the people yeah. who have invested probably a lot of money to build out this all these uh smart devices in their considering house. when you consider light bulbs if someone buys a light bulb and they like it and they want to do more light bulbs. Yeah. Next thing you know, there's probably more than a couple of houses who are completely equipped with wink light bulbs. Yeah. At this time, um, so I, I, coming out of that, I got I got two points. I got one. One first point is that I kind of agree with you in that this is probably not COVID related, and it's probably because wink isn't doing so well. When you look at the current climate of smart home tech, you have the consolidation of Google and Nest, and them kind of taking nest as the go-to product you have philips hue being adopted by more than almost i think every smart home hub provider now supports philips hue and philips hue bulbs are, have gone down dramatically in price um down to like the standard like if you get the hue white light bulbs they're only slightly more expensive than a standard led bulb at this point 
and um and also you have the rapid expansion of the amazon um selection of devices for the smart home so you have these two massive competitors just encroaching on all the space that wink once had almost free reign of with their low-priced smart home tech when and then then now people are eating their lunch so they have no choice but to move to a subscription plan to kind of get what what kind of a profit they can out of their out of their users my second point which is not really as inflammatory is that um this is actually a corrected date did you know that the may 20th did you know about that yeah. may 20th is actually like a it's a it's an update to the original date the original date was today was when that was going to start may 13th yeah and due to a massive kickback from their consumer base and people complaining online they pushed it to the 20th so they they're listening they're trying to avoid this as long yeah, as possible but they pushed it by a week yeah so we'll see what happens um this is probably going to be the uh, logitech harmony of smart light bulbs where they just decide to turn off a server and it kills a bunch of products <laughs> and then people get really mad at them um <sighs> Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know that, that's an interesting story. Logitech Harmony, the the unified remote for your TV and all your smart devices, like a couple of years ago, they just discontinued, they just shut the server off for their older generations of remotes, which just completely rendered them useless. So you had this cool paperweight sitting on your dinner dining room table or your coffee table or something that was once controlling all the devices in your living room, now is just a paperweight, and you might as well have just tossed it out the window. So. I feel like we should like dedicate a whole episode to just talking about planned obsolescence and and like what happens in the tech space with smart home stuff when you start connecting these devices to servers because I feel like we could really get a good discussion out of this. Um but right now it's like it's just it's just really scummy. It's bad. I don't like it. And I feel bad for anybody who I might have ever recommended a Wink product to because I know there's a couple. So, I like genuinely feel bad because i hadn't and that's the thing you can't predict this because wink was a great i would have recommended wink light bulbs to somebody who if they didn't want to buy hue because they were fine now you have to pay a five dollar a month subscription service for your light bulbs turn, nobody wants to do that to turn on yeah to turn on to turn on your yeah if you if, if you wanted to use a feature that you paid for like you paid the full cost knowing that this cost gets me these features that's like a whole debate right there as to like the morality of that because sure the company has the right to do it but is that going to save them i doubt it i think that the the backlash from wink from people to wink is going to be, cause more damage to wink than the amount of money they're going to make from these subscriptions sure they're yeah. going to get the people who like the people who flooded their homes with wink bulbs and the smart hub stuff, sure, they'll pay. But I don't think you're going to... Anybody who's bought like one or two just to see if they wanted it, they're going to they're gonna pitch that light bulb. They're, they don't want it. No. Um, you, so said, you said you had Wink stuff, right? I had like... I had the hub and two bulbs or something like that. Not anymore? No, I don't. I don't, I don't okay. remember what I've done with them. <laughs> okay. um, I was going to ask how you felt about that. No, because I don't. In my current place, I don't have any smart home. I have really smart devices. Um, I do have an alternative to Wink, and uh, I okay, watched that's this, a good uh, thing. Um, uh, which watched this uh, YouTube channel called Undecided with Matt Farrell. Um, and he does a lot of tech videos, and he reviewed um, a smart home hub, right? That doesn't need first a subscription and also doesn't need any servers to technically work so if hmm. that company that i'm gonna recommend this company that all this alternative decides to go away or not decide to go away this goes away your stuff will continue to work no matter what because everything is local yes having the access to the cloud helps because you can do stuff remotely you don't necessarily need it for your stuff to continue to work so he did a review of this 
a new hub. It's called Hubitat. It's a company um, you can buy this hub from um, that you can do full automation, home automation that's local, fast, and fully private. You you don't nothing's stored on their servers. Everything is stored on the hub itself, um, okay. and all the routines and everything run, run locally. Um, so it will, I'll link that within the description, a video to, of that review in the, in our show notes. So you can, can fix that remote access with a VPN at that point then. Certainly could. Yeah. To access. Yeah. The, the habitat, uh, remotely. So there's even a way to get it remotely. It just takes a couple more steps. Yeah. But also we got to make this stuff like easy as used as possible. I guess not, you don't have to be a techie, but yeah, VPN is a little more, uh, on top of that, but, um, it does support, you know, all the standard smart home um, uh, technology, Zigbee, Z-Wave, and also the Wi-Fi smart home devices. Uh, also compatible with, like, you know, full Google, Amazon, Apple, all that. Um, yeah. So this is a good alternative. I don't know if you can continue to use your existing Wink devices. That would be interesting to see. That would be awesome. Because if some Wink stuff, I think, was like using a standard like Zigbee protocol or Z-Wave protocol, if it, if they were, then you could move to something like this that you know won't have this issue in the future. If Habitat does <laughs> yeah. go out of business, you'll stuff, your stuff will still continue work. Um, so, yeah, there's there's this alternative. Because the other ones that are big, like smart things, all, again require this um and you know i'm sure my some samsung won't go under in a, in, in a while because yeah. they're quite a big company but um they also won't ask you to pay because they're probably selling your data just being honest with you because it's a free service for smart things um mm-hmm. so yeah you gotta balance this but this just this habitat company just makes the hub and you just connect directly to that hub um, doesn't require any internet connection to actually do all your that's, routines and all your. That's pretty things. awesome, though. Yeah. Um, so if you want something that's privacy focused and and build something, so I as like randomly, it's like I was thinking while you were talking, I was like, what are that company that guy was talking about? So I found the video. Um, it was over a year ago, uh, back in July of 2019, when you released this review of the Habitat Hub. So again, we'll have that you in should, the show uh, notes. Yeah, I was gonna say put that in the show notes. That's gonna be big. Yeah, it's not that bad. Um, in terms of price, it's like 120 bucks for the hub, and you just buy that. And uh, yeah, no, that's a big deal. Four integrations with IFTT uh, looks like, and yeah, all kinds assistant, of assistant, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So that'll be in the show notes for anybody who wants to, to follow up on that. But, um, for right, for now we have one more topic to talk about and then, and then we're calling it a night. Um, but, uh, I've had some, I've, I've, I've noticed online, I'm one of the few and Irvin, you are too fortunate people to own a Nintendo switch during these trying times. And I don't know about you, but have you like looked on Amazon, on eBay, and just check the prices of Switches. So Have you seen that? As you may know, I'm not as much of a Switch user as you. And yes, I have seen those prices, and I've been debating <laughs> on actually selling my Switch because I don't really use it that much to make some extra cash because, damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nintendo, Nintendo Switch MSRP is $300. Um for reference, if you were to go to eBay right now, you could probably find some for north of $500, maybe even approaching $600. Amazon, you're lucky if you can get one under $450. Um, so people are buying them in mass and selling them for high prices. And it's basically like the launch of the Nintendo Switch all over again. Um, it's just that people are trapped inside and need entertainment and Animal Crossing is on the Switch so people need their animal crossing i know i do i just hit my five-star village on animal crossing i'm pretty hype about that took a while you know i'm I'm, I'm not here to brag but i'm here to have fun you know um five-star village 
anybody wants to hit me up, I'll I'll let you in and check it out. Uh, either way, going back to the topic, <laughs> it's been hard to find things in stock. So, like, I I just wanted to like kind of provide some information on people and and use and just there's more websites than just the two that I'm going to provide in our show notes and talk about, but. Um, I used these particularly during the Bitcoin boom, if you remember that, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that on our podcast where yeah. Bitcoin was like $20,000 and Ethereum was in the green for me at some point. You know, um, <laughs> but uh, there's some websites called Zulert and nowinstock.net. So Z-O-O-L-E-R-T. You just Google that, you'll find the website. Um, these are both services where you can get instantaneous alerts to email or to smartphone or to whatever, and they will let you know when something you want returns in stock at a known retailer. So like Best Buy, Target, GameStop, Amazon, and you can also look for prices and be like, I want all MSRP switches to be sent to my phone is a notification the second they come back in stock. And um, I use these for GPUs because I kind of played the market a little bit when Bitcoin was way up. And I, I managed to go from a 960 to a 1080 without much work at all. Because um, my 960, which is a now almost decade old GPU, I think. I'm I'm not sure. I think it's close to that. Uh, it's definitely like nine. No, nine sixty. Oh, nine sixty. I think it's like, I think that came out like 2013, 2012, maybe, at the latest. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but that route that one sold for like four times MSRP, which is super nice. Twenty fifteen. Okay, so wow, it's only five years old. Wow. Okay, that is a is a shit gpu for five <laughs> years ago okay <laughs> okay going back to the main topic um i'm i used zulert primarily um because i noticed that zulert happened to be faster than now in stock um but if you need something like toilet paper um a nintendo switch <laughs> any of these like smart hot commodity products that no one can get a hold of uh, to- uh, paper towels. I don't know. Some something that you might need. This is hand sanitizers. Yeah, Lysol wipes, Lysol sprays. Um, basically anything really important. <laughs> yeah, f- Clorox flour, unbleached flour, bread flour. You know, the list goes on. Then use these websites, and you can get instantaneous messages to your phone which will link you to the online listing for that product. And if you do that, you can get a notification, quickly jump on the website, add it to your cart, check it out, get a store pickup. You're done. You have toilet paper now. (laughs) So those are a couple of websites I just wanted to leave in the show notes to talk about. I don't know if you've used these at all, Irvin, but um, I've had a lot of luck with Zulert. Um, Especially, and this this was during the Bitcoin boom, so everybody and their mother was buying GPUs to build these Bitcoin miners or these Ethereum miners or what have you. And these websites were quick, and a lot of them, which is super nice, have actually expanded into more products. Um, So if you need stuff, go to these websites. I recommend Zulert. Now in stock's another alternative. I also recommend just using both. Because what's the harm in getting more notifications and you can find out which one's faster? Um, but yeah, it's like it's something that I thoroughly recommend. Like I'm, I'm on I'm on Zulert's website right now. They have trampolines for some reason. <laughs> they have disposable gloves, uh, sewing kits, bread makers, respirators, over the counter medicine like Tylenol, oximeters, thermometers, hand sanitizer, disinfecting wipes, stuff we talked about, facial tissues cup of noodles <laughs> if you want ramen <laughs> um i just i recommend people take advantage of these because the internet gives us all this power to find out when things are in stock so what's the point of wasting time going to a grocery store only to find out that the aisle has been cleaned out of all cleaning products <laughs> and there's nothing left not to avoid that 
that uh mix of puns there but um it's just it's it's good to know like i I feel like as a shopper you should be informed if what you're going out into a potentially covid infested environment if you're gonna come back with what you wanted because i feel like that if you were to like go to a grocery store and you're trying to get flour but like all you could find was just like uh, like bleached flour or like the weird stuff then and you come home and like you get sick from it then it's like kind of a waste almost so i don't know yeah i just i I feel like it's good people need people should be informed and they should know it's in stock because i took advantage of these services and they all worked for me and i was able to buy a gpu at msrp during the largest shortage of gpus we've ever seen (laughs) so if if the Bitcoin boom has anything to compare to the COVID boom, then I think that people should be taking advantage of these services. Yeah. If I keep going, I'm just going to start talking in circles. <laughs> <laughs> no, these are great. And, so, and especially yeah. for certain things that you want to keep track of. Um, and uh, for those necessities and also some may not be necessities like a Nintendo Switch. You want to get the best deal and you don't want to overpay for something these are definitely good uh websites watch yourself there (laughs) my villagers bring me emotional joy yeah you could argue that this the the switch does uh improve mental health animal crossing allows me to allows me to break social distance norms within a video game and have a deep interpersonal relationship with my villagers who are all animals um but yeah, so the two websites again, just before we close out, are Zoolert, Z O O L E R T, and uh, nowinstock.net. So there we go. I just wanted to get that off the top of my head. Irvin, that is an amazing <laughs> show title. <laughs> I'll let people see that. He just thought of it now. So. I did. I'm very happy about that. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to bring up before we roll out of here. No, in, uh, um, for an episode that we didn't have much to talk about, we found a way to talk about stuff. <laughs> Certainly <yeah>. did. <laughs> we always do, Matt. We always do. We always do, yeah. That's it. Yeah. But um, okay. Uh, just wanted to say this has been episode 94. Um, and... Actually, if you guys, I should, I should talk about our podcast. Um, if you guys like what you hear, um, I know people who listen to us are probably bored of this, but people who haven't heard us or are hearing us for the first time, welcome. And you can go to beardsoftech.com. That's beardsoftech.com to go and check out all of our previous episodes and find out where we stream to and where we're available. Uh, beardsoftech.com slash subscribe if you wanted to get a quick landing page for mm-hmm. all of our platforms that we're on beardsoftech.com slash review if you wanted to go to our itunes page and drop us a review we love hearing what we're doing right what we're doing wrong and it it really helps give you guys a better product um and then there's i think there's beardsoftech.com slash twitter you're seeing a pattern here it's like <laughs> beardsoftech.com slash twitter beardsoftech.com slash insta all, all I think the links we have that all these, you need yeah. are on our website beardsoftech.com it's almost like there's one central hub you can go to that gets you all the information you need to know about beards of tech okay but um we are also available on any and all podcatchers. Uh, yeah. i think we finally have crossed the border to be available literally everywhere <laughs> yes Anything you can think of, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, I think even maybe, I don't think they have podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> all this stuff. We're, we're available everywhere. So, yes. Search yeah. for the name and you'll more than likely run across us. Yeah, we're even available on YouTube now. <laughs> you can <laughs> listen true. to our, some of the episodes aren't there. Um, you can go somewhere else for those, uh, beardsofTech.com for those Mm -hmm. and then you can go to youtube if you wanted to listen to these episodes that you're hearing right now it's a bit of a new thing we're trying out but uh i've been watching videos on youtube during the quarantine now that i don't have to worry about coworkers around me so maybe you can too put us on Mm -hmm. check us out yeah yeah okay so with that being said this has been episode 94 and we'll see you guys next sunday